be there where your clients are going to need you to be in the tool sets that they are using. One of our requirements for partnership with us is you have to give us your platform and we're not paying for it. If we're going to use the platform and learn the platform and, and endorse, we need the tools and we're not going to put on our uh, expense line items to pay for all these tools. So, or do you look at other tool sets and go deeper? What if they get acquired? There's no business that ever comes the partner's way from those companies who start off with that pitch. It just doesn't work. Welcome to the Partner Programs Podcast. Here's your host, my dad. All right, David Lewis, welcome to the show. So this is called Partnered 2020. And it's the podcast where we interview experts like yourself on both sides of the partnership discussion. We like to hear from agencies as well as channel partner teams and channel partner experts. You are a very unique individual where you run a very large agency and you have a few decades of tremendous experience paving the way for new agencies. So I do want to talk a little bit about demand generation to start. That'll kind of tee up our conversation. But where this conversation is headed is partner agency enablement, how you can actually work closer with your agencies, what the agencies really want out of their partnerships. And uh, then we go into some co-marketing and go-to-market strategies with partners. That includes events like the one you've got coming up. And uh, finally, as an advisor and investor, you know, where you see the whole channel ecosystem going. So I'll leave it back over to you and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the program. Uh, Yeah, David Lewis, CEO and founder of Demand Gen, which is uh, an interesting name because when I coined the phrase many, many years ago, uh, it wasn't the term that it was today and, and so widely used. And um, since we're talking about partnerships, I think that that's a good, good place to begin. Just tell a little bit of my, my backstory in terms of how the company was launched, uh, which was around a, a partnership. So uh, for folks who don't know me, I was running marketing in a company called Ellie May. Very, very successful, <clears throat> excuse me, very successful now. Uh, mortgage software, mortgage banking software company, so a SaaS company themselves here in Silicon Valley. And I ran marketing for them. And this is, you know, circa 2003 to 2007. And back during that time, very, very few companies, Alex, were doing anything in terms of real digital transformation. And Ellie Mae was like a lot of other companies where their whole go-to-market motion was uh, a large sales team and going after target accounts. And marketing was pretty much uh, responsible for the website, some brochures, and you know, kind of traditional marketing functions back then, events and such. So when I came on board, I said, you know what, uh, we need to level up and, and do some digital disruption and, and change how we go to market. And I brought in a platform called Eloqua, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with as our marketing automation system. Again, this is 2003. So uh, 17 years ago and brought in Salesforce. I had a, essentially what would now be called an SDR team. And so I brought in salesforce.com. And what's, what's fascinating, I, I think it will go deep in this today, is I didn't realize at that time that when I was bringing those tools in to help the company, that those tools would then become my future business, my launch pad for my business, right? So you know, all these SaaS technologies that are out there today, 
I just think for anyone listening, like who's an entrepreneur, like there's limitless potential to spin up an agency or a consultancy, whatever you want to call it, like mine, if you've got expertise around a SaaS platform. Because what I did for the next three years was leading marketing there, use the hell out of Eloqua and use the hell out of Salesforce and stitch these two applications together and drove this company's revenue like never before. And so after three years, I won't give you the long version, but uh, I went to a conference, Tony Robbins was speaking and, and talked about entrepreneurship and having a recipe for success. And he said, if you have a recipe for success, think about starting a company and, and delivering that recipe for other people. And, and he said, write down that recipe on a piece of paper. He's got like 2000 people in the audience. So I wrote down how to use marketing technology and digital transformation. And so uh, about a six months later, started Demand Gen. And one of our guiding principles at that time, Alex, you know, as the company's kind of like what direction we're going to row and tied to our mission was partnerships. It is one of our five and still is to these day guiding principles. And so my whole go to market was tying myself to Eloqua uh, and to a lot of folks at Salesforce. And they were my referral source for probably our first 50 clients over the next couple of years was you know, that those companies were out selling their wares and said, hey, Mr. Client, I've got a partner that is really phenomenal at helping you stand up these applications and get value out of that. So they were essentially my, my sales channel, later became marketing channel. And uh, just to kind of fast forward to today, we've, we've gone way beyond those two partnerships and have a strategic partnership with Adobe around the Marketo platform and Visible and, and probably about 15 other companies that we have very, very tight uh, go-to-market relationships with and services that we provide. So that's my, that's my backstory. And that's how I, I got into this. And, and I mean, you couldn't talk probably to someone who's more passionate and believes more in the, in the value of partnerships in terms of go-to-market and growth. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for that. That sets the tone. So, you know, a lot of strategy around the stack. Um, and that's the genesis for most partnerships is when you look at your stack and you say, Hey, I, you know, I can be agnostic and I can run my stack internally and I can work with whatever clients or I can start to hone in on a replicable process, something that I can sell as a package, something that yeah. I know is a repeatable service and continually getting better and better at that service. And sometimes like you did that with Salesforce and Eloqua yeah. and, um, and now Marketo, I believe, and, and there's some other players in there. So what's interesting about this is you mentioned that key term there and that's the repeatable process around your your stack so we're talking to agencies and we're talking to partner managers at the same time and we're saying hey in order to succeed and really get to that level that you are at um, nine times out of ten you're going to need to have that repeatable process in place around key software partners and uh, in order for the partner teams that we're talking to to get involved in those stacks um, that takes tremendous strategy, of course, and some creativity, but the goal is to get the agencies to build services around your software. So what I want to talk about first is the current SaaS stack that you consider your partners and then how you went about. Well, the, you, you heard about the Eloqua story and um, there's a really important lesson that I want everybody listening to take away from that. When you become... CEO and you start building a business and, you know, it's no longer a, a solopreneur ad adventure, right? You think about the growth of your business. Do you stay true to one platform and one partner 
and really just wrap your services around that one platform? Or do you look at either competing platforms to go, let's call it wider, um, or do you look at other tool sets and go deeper? And right around the 2009 timeframe, so now my business is off the ground, we're two years into it, all of our clients at that time are using Eloqua, all of our clients are using Salesforce, and we're helping our services have become like the implementation of those tools and the adoption and, and utilization of those tools to drive revenue. Those two tools. And I start worrying, Alex, what happens if something happens to Eloqua? What if I get more competition in this space? What if they get acquired? And I said, I really should expand what we're doing and go wider so that you know our uh, cart isn't hitched to one horse. And I can't tell you how grateful I am in doing that. I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but Eloqua did end up getting acquired by Oracle. And anybody who knows this marketplace knows that that marketplace has shrunk dramatically over that time. And if we hadn't partnered with a number two, who now essentially has become number one, where would our business today? That worked for us, but it might not be the right solution for everyone. So let's say you're this big Salesforce shop. And if you hear me saying like, maybe you should be looking at Dynamics or SAP and another CRM, that may not be the right thing. And we do not partner with everybody. If we did, we'd have a partnership with every marketing automation system out there. And we don't, we, we really have our leads and then we have these other MarTech tools. So I just want to share that as a valuable lesson. And by the way, as an entrepreneur and, and CEO at the time, not everybody was on board with this, let's expand into the Marketo market. I had some of the folks on my team were like, we don't know anything about that platform. How are we going to do this? You know, Dave, we, we, we can't compete in that marketplace. We don't have that expertise. I'm like, well, we need to develop it. We did, you didn't have the expertise on Eloqua when you got here and, and look where you are today. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it's, a, it's a great lesson about do you pick up multiple partners? And then there was one more inflection point, Alex, was after we had several different marketing automation partners, we went and formed more MarTech partnerships. And man, we could spend countless podcast episodes talking about the trials and tribulations and successes of having a lot of different partners and many companies that are not as mature and really ready to bring on uh, a partnership. And so I, I, I think that's an important topic is how do you vet a, a, a SaaS company and figure out, are they really ready to take on a partnership and, and what will that, that look like? But I guess the key lesson there is, is think about not having all of your eggs in one basket. And um, we've done that. We've, we've expanded. And the easy place for us to expand is based on the needs of our client, right? If you need to figure out where you're going to go, be there where your clients are going to need you to be in the tool sets that they are using. But also remember your core competencies. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd kind of ask a little bit of a, a dovetail question on top of that is if you're in a situation where, you know, you need to decide on fringe between slightly higher product value, meaning maybe a few more features for the same cost and a better partnership experience where partner manager at SAS A that's comparable to SAS B mm -hmm. is there every day, you know, helping you with any integration stuff you need to get done maybe even offering you backlinks and co-marketing opportunities and adding you to their directory being really great. Yeah. Um, and then partner B is maybe, maybe the leader in the space, maybe um, slightly higher value proposition uh, as far as future benefits goes at the same price. They mm -hmm. both do the same thing. One has a better partnership 
team and better partnership offers. The other one actually in the case today, they didn't even have a partner program. They had slightly better feature benefits, no partner program. Wow. Um, do you go with A for the partner program, slightly less uh, feature benefits, or SaaS B that has no partner program? I, mean, I can only share what, what's worked for me, and that is and kind of coming back to this, you know, do what's best for the client and where the market's going to go. You, I think we've all heard the, the Wayne Gretzky expression of like, how did you score so many goals? And he's like, I always go to where the puck's going to be, not where it is. And so when I started the business, the market was Eloqua. And Eloqua was at that time, a couple hundred employees. They probably had like three, 400 customers. They had no partner program, Alex, zero. I literally called the CEO and I said, look, I know I've been your poster child client for the past three years and that you really want me to stay as your favorite client. And I, I was running a, a user group in the Bay Area for other marketing leaders using the platform. And, and he did not want me to go. And I'm like, I'm resigning in two weeks become your very first partner and I'm going to perform these services. And he literally tried to talk me out of it. Um, and on, I do a podcast as well, as you know, and Demand Gen Radio and episode 100 was with him, with Joe Payne, who's now the CEO of Code 42. And we took that walk down memory lane and he remembers that, that phone call. And he really tried to talk me out of it because he said, we're not ready to have you as a partner, Dave. We, we like, I don't even know if like we're going to continue on this trajectory. Like, man, you're going to quit your job and become a partner uh, of us. And I, and I said, yeah, I, I believe in digital transformation. And I believe that every single B2B marketer is going to need a marketing automation system. And, I, and you guys are leading, you know, this is back 2007. And so they didn't even know how to spell partner enablement, but I didn't need them for anything at that time. And I've, I think that is an important lesson that I would love everybody to take away, which is if you are entering this space with your handout, hoping that these AEs and the sales reps and these other companies are just going to dump business in your lap and you're going to get all your business from your partner, think again. If that happens, phenomenal. That's great. Kiss yourself like that. You know, you're, you've died and gone to heaven um, and it can happen. It often happens. However, you've got to survive on your own. You've got to hunt your own kill. Um, should you go to market with them, do co-marketing with them, do events, um, do all, absolutely. Just, just don't expect that your business is going to build and thrive off of the, their sales team. When it happens, it's wonderful, but you, uh, so I, I say opt for the best tool, uh, opt for where the market needs support. And probably in these days where there's less competition, unless you have such a phenomenal niche, like what I want to go spin up a Salesforce practice these days? No, I think those bases are well covered. If I had a Salesforce practice, maybe in a specific niche, because I have subject matter expertise in automotive or some area that there's not a lot of partner expertise and subject matter expertise, maybe, but I'd find something less, less saturated. Key takeaway there is make sure that you're always thinking about product first um, in the sense that where your clients need your product stack to be, your SaaS stack, they, they're going to lean on you to make sure they're getting the most value out of the dollar spent with your agency, um, which means go with the product that has the, the best feature benefits and is in a better position to grow with. Yeah. So I like that. Moving on to the next phase of that discussion. So now that we've chosen our stack and consider the opportunities, we're still dead set and double down on the stack that we have. Let's talk about what incentives 
truly matter that keep you involved in that uh, software as a partner. So twofold there. It's, you know, what incentives matter for you and your team on the support side, possibly on the product side, like we mentioned before our talk, the uh, white label and the multi-account login, those kind of setups that you see that are right for agencies specifically. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'd like to use examples and I, and I, I started off kind of my origin story talking about our partnership with, with Eloqua, right. Who, who later became Oracle. Um, but in these days, especially for the last year and a half, our strategic and flagship partner is Adobe. Uh, they acquired Marketo and we had a, a, had a decade long partnership with Marketo that was very good. And that company went through its uh, Accenture, and then uh, went through IPO, and then went uh, became owned by private equity, and then was acquired by Adobe about a year and a half ago for almost $5 billion. So think about that. We're partner with Marketo. I knew the, the founders, uh, John Miller and Phil Fernandez. Uh, interesting point. I actually invested in Marketo. So I don't know if that's a different uh, podcast in all of itself, but I was so committed to the partnership there and wanted to be so attached that I invested, personally invested in Marketo to stay very strategically connected and advise them on their go-to-market strategy and product. And we story for another time. But Adobe is the best partner that I have ever worked with in my career. Um, it starts with their culture. It starts with guys like Matt Thompson, uh, who reports to their CEO. Uh, Matt and I uh, met each other for the first time eight years ago before they had acquired Marketo and formed a good relationship. And uh, I've met everyone on his team and the, just the culture there in, in terms of how they go to market with partners is phenomenal. So what do I mean by that? Like we co-market with them on a regular basis. They have, let's call it MDF. They have a different name for it, but they have market development funds for their you know, top tier partners. And we were their Marketo, 2019 Marketo partner of the year. Um, so that'll give you an idea of how much revenue we're driving to them and how much we matter uh, to them. So uh, we do a tremendous amount of, of go-to-market together. Just this morning, we're inviting CMOs uh, at some of our top clients and bringing them to Adobe Summit. And, and those, those trips are all expense-paid trips for our clients. Uh, we do joint events together, whether that's sporting events, entertainment events. Uh, we do webinars, lunches, dinners. Uh, they, they do quite a bit of go-to-market together from a very win-win perspective. Uh, do they pay referral fees? You bet. Do they, uh, as I said, provide market development funds for very select partners that, that show that we can drive business? They do. But they also have people dedicated to partner management. They have people dedicated to partner training and enablement. You touched on that earlier. That's vital. I've got 80 people in my company that need to be ninjas with these systems. And so the fact that they'll provide us training and enablement and the platforms themselves so that we can use these tools and, and such like, I mean, they are so committed to partnerships and it is no wonder they have such as a, a thriving ecosystem across the entire Adobe suite. So they're, they're like, you know, top tier. Uh, we've got other partners that uh, if you want to talk about that um, we do go to market motions together, such as we do the implementations of their tools. So these are SaaS companies that are very good at selling the software, but don't want to build a professional services arm. So they sub the implementations to us. And those are kind of like paid dates. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get rich off of implementations. You got to do a lot of them for it to be a material amount of revenue because 
most implementation, I mean, there are systems that have big implementation fees, but these are some lighter weight MarTech tools. And we do uh, subcontract work for our partners. And like I said, those are, those are paid dates. Those partners are less mature. They don't have uh, as much training and enablement. So that's kind of more on our dime uh, and our level of investment. You kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. Like, is the business really going to come? So is it worth you getting trained up and, and knowing how to do that stuff? So if we're talking to the SaaS companies that don't have the resources of a Marketo, they don't have the ability to create MDFs for their partners, those market development funds, um, they can do things like offer backlinks and maybe they have a directory. But when you advise a younger SaaS company, Engageo and even Sendoso now with their $40 million raise, the very young, the 20 to 40 person SaaS companies that have a partner manager, maybe even a channel manager above that person, and they're looking at creating this, this incentive structure for agency-specific partners. What recommendations would you give those people involved in creating those incentives? By the way, I want to mention like, you know, Engageo, which was, which was the founder is, is John Miller, who was the co-founder of Marketo. Probably wouldn't surprise you that I'm following some of the same motions I did with Marketo in terms of, you know, hitching our cart to John and Engageo, investing companies like Engageo and Sendoso and, and working with Chris and the CEO there because I, you know, I, I believe in these tools and I believe in what they're doing. Not every company is going to win, but I want to help them have the best chance of, of succeeding. So when they see a partner like ourselves that is so committed, um, it's not a bunch of lip service. It's not those kind of Barney, I love you, you love me type relationships. Like we're really going to market together. Uh, so what I would recommend some table stake things is if we agencies, consultancies, whatever you want to call the broad category of servicing partners are referring business to them, they have to pay a referral fee. That ranges anywhere from 10 to 20%. 10% isn't really material. Once you get into the 15, 20% range, then it's kind of show up on your, on your P&L as nice income. But uh, we turn all those dollars around to just grow the practice. We don't, we don't take those to the bottom line and we use our referral fees as, as more fuel for our alliance's efforts. Um, and by the way, I want to make sure today, like, you know, we have a phenomenal partner program. I think we run partnerships again, like Adobe, I, I would say demand gen from a partnership approach is, is top tier. And that's, that's all credited to Anita. Anita Covelli is our VP of alliances. And when you reached out on being on the podcast, as you remember, I said, you can get me on, but get Anita on as well. Cause she makes all the magic happen. All the strategy is hers. So she has a tremendous vetting process that she's, I mean, she could probably write a book on it or at least an ebook on how to identify partners and vet them and see if they're really ready for a relationship, something she's honed uh, over time. So I look forward to you guys getting to know one another and maybe focusing on some of that content because she'll tell the stories plenty of times about a partner who reaches out and says, hey, Anita, this is so-and-so over at such-and-such SaaS tool. And, you know, we really don't want to build a professional services firm. And we see that you have a lot of clients and you know, we think that those clients would really get value from our tool. And it's like, yeah, what you're saying is you want to partner with us so that we recommend you into our install base. And you're saying you're not going to compete with us. Like we hear that play all the time. And any SaaS company who sends that talk track, it's like, yeah, we know that talk track. It's like, you want us to bring you into your client base and paint this vision that you don't have a professional services uh, firm and, and will work with us. And I can tell you 90 times out of 100, there's no business that ever comes the partner's way from those companies who start off with that pitch. It just doesn't work. 
I'm always interested to hear the incentives argument because I do a lot with agencies where they don't have the larger book of business that would make incentives on the financial side at the referral fees specifically that attractive because they'll keep 10 to 20 clients pretty consistently and sometimes they'll onboard, but referring out, it's just not a big part of their business. They're they're not set up to be a big referral partner. So they're more focused on partners that have the product set up and those types of support incentives built in the ability to do co-marketing and maybe it's dollar for dollar matching or something like that but you know do you have a partner person do you have someone who is responsible at that SaaS organization for managing partnerships are there more than that you have training and enablement people one of our requirements for partnership with us is you have to give us your platform and we're not paying for it. If we're going to use the platform and learn the platform and, and endorse, we need the tools and we're not going to put on our uh, expense line items to pay for all these tools. So at least partners that are worthy of it, you know, demand gen has certainly got tremendous reputation in the marketplace and pretty much in, in today's day and age, you'd call us an, an influencer. So if we're out talking about tools on the podcast, you know, that what's that worth to them? So we have been able to be successful in identifying the right partners when they they identify us and them and, and be able to get their tool sets, the training and, and go to market. Otherwise, we, we're probably not going to partner with them. So let's just nip that in the bud real quick. In order for a new SaaS, it may check all the boxes on G2 Crowd, Captera, Gartner. It's, it's doing really well. The product is sound. They're young. They're untested in your agency, but you have heard of them. You know that they're coming up. They approach you. They give you a call and they say, hey, David, We'd love it if you replaced whatever you're using for our use case. And they're not a CRM, you know, they're not asking for you to rip out your CRM, but what what do those typical calls look like? And, and what do you put back on them in order to, and set you up in order to start testing and uh, what sort of expectations do you give them and do you, do you put on that call? Yeah, I may be a little unique here, Alex, because I'm a geek, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a marketing and technology geek trapped in a CEO's body. Like I have a 3D printer at home. Uh, I was an avid video gamer and built PCs as a kid. I can write code. I love technology. So I have a thirst for looking at new innovations and technologies. One of the reasons I do the podcast and are working on our video series is so that I can continue this exploration and discovery of the new and greatest tools. And that, that, instinct has what led me to demand gen to start the agency. It also what led me to bring in tools and technologies in my former roles as head of marketing. So I'm always on the quest to find the next shiny object, check it out and either punt it or go further. Spend a fair amount of time doing that. My assistant, uh, Mindy, will almost every morning have me say, hey, I was on LinkedIn this morning. I want you to set up a meeting and a demo with this tool and this tool and those, this tool. So I would say every week, I probably look at two to three marketing technologies, almost like a private equity company that I'm vetting and evaluating to see if one of these is going to be the next big thing within B2B digital transformation. It's a pinhole of a filter in terms of who gets through that, but I really like to stay on top of it. So that, that's what works for me. I'm always checking out stuff and, and, and looking at tools. And then if I really like, I've got a meeting next week with an AI tool for sales enablement and sales engagement. I met those, those guys online on LinkedIn and they're out of Israel. And, and so we connected and, and I looked at their online demo on their website, their five minute. It wasn't one of those animated demos. It was one that actually showed the product, which I prefer. And I'm like, 
okay, this is worth greater exploration. Uh-huh. So I'll spend 30 minutes of my time and check it out. And if it's you know, something that I think like, wow, this is really relevant to our customers, I'll call up some of my favorite customers that are risk takers and early adopters and go, hey, Doug or Eric or Joe, um, Rob, I want you to check something out, man. I think I've discovered something that looks pretty interesting. They know that curiosity is what's making that call. It's not influencer. It's not, hey, I'm going to go get you these five accounts. I want my the guys that I trust and respect that are practitioners out there to check this out and go, is this, is this all that? Because it, it seems like it holds great promise. And then we might go down a, an exploration path together and try it out. And if it's the next great thing, then we'll, then we'll introduce it to our clients. And that's how we formed a lot of early partnerships with SaaS companies that had you know, 10, 20 clients. And now they have hundreds, uh, thanks to us and the work that we've done uh, together. Mm. I cast a wide net looking at technology, mm. but that net has a, has a big filter on it in terms of what goes to the next round. And then folks like Anita and I, we're going to put them through a vetting process to determine if this shiny new toy is worth actually having a partnership with uh, and looking at how strategic that partnership will be. So that's why it's very selective. Over 13 years of doing this, we have about 16 companies in the Demand Gen Alliance and almost like any 80-20 rule of those 16 partners, 80% of our success and efforts come from 20% of those partners. Do, do the math. You're talking like three to four really material partners and everyone else who we do some level of, of co-marketing and amplification of each other uh, in the marketplace. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but it's not necessarily direct revenue drivers uh, with deal mm-hmm. flow going between the, the two companies. I'll have to send some of our partners your way and see what you think about the value propositions that they're offering right now. We've got some, we've got some really cool ones. We do our level of cool. vetting. We're vetting yeah. more on the partner program side of thing, making sure they have great partner programs, but we do uh, the first checkbox is the product that's got to be in place. So I'll send you some, some ones you mentioned sales enablement. So I've got some interesting ones. I'll pass them by you. Um, awesome. Yeah. We just did a deep dive with uh, sales loft and outreach in the past week. We brought about, uh, eight people onto our team to do a pretty heavy vetting of their current tool sets and, and how that lineups to uh, some of the needs of our clients. So we're, did you like make I said, sometimes it goes beyond me and I'll bring more people in and, and do some, some deep dives. Did you make a decision? Not yet. I mean, those platforms are used by our clients. The decision uh, is, are we going to expand our services offerings around their tool sets? That, that was the question. And, and there's not yet a decision on that. Yeah. And both those have pretty similar integrations. So there's not going to be there's not going to be a big issue. You there. do. And like I said, you know, to me, integrations is like the table stake stuff where it gets really sexy and fun is like, let's say all the sequencing that these tools have to do and the templates and, and the training and sales enablement for, for sales teams. There, there's a lot of services that need to be performed for someone to properly adopt and get value out of that. You know, so it's yes, integrate, but then optimize and get an adoption and then, and then impact and then mm-hmm. start that process again, more optimization and, and more impact. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. That's a whole nother thing. But um, okay, so you know, to put this discussion to rest and make sure everybody gets what they came here for, um, I do want to talk real quickly when you choose a new partner. So we've passed that. You've gone through the incentives, sales loft, outreach. You've done your diligence and you've vetted with them and, and, and you've come to a conclusion on which one you're going to partner with. I want to talk about um, now that you've made that decision, you need to do a couple things. You need to obviously um, work it into services. Uh, you need to or maybe want to announce it to your audience, your, your clients as well as your prospects, mm-hmm. uh, the new partnership, the new services that you're building on top of that partnership. And then um, talk to me about how that whole funnel and that system and that process 
snowballs into events, both on their side and your side, as well as content. Can you just talk me through SOP for new partners and how that looks? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you brought up all the building blocks really well, which is, you know, identify the right partnership opportunities, make sure that enablement is there. Uh, look at the financial arrangements to see if there's referral fees and, and how the partner will invest in your mutual growth. So now let's say you've selected your partner, you've, you're enabled, uh, and you're probably in the productization phase, which is, are you implementing a package at a certain price point that they are subcontracting to you? And if not, what is your offering? Um, how much is it priced? What's the delivery? And are you the one that's marketing to the install base? Or are you expecting that partner to bring that offering to their install base? And if so, what does that look like? So even this week, I've, I've looked at a number of different uh, go-to-market plans that Anita's put together with our partners that very down, you know, down to the detail is the go-to-market plan. When is the press release going to be announced? What, what had to happen prior to that? When are the websites being updated? When are we training their sales team on these offerings and them training us on their offering? When are the customer success teams getting aligned? So depending on the extent of the partnership, everything from enablement down to the co-marketing plan and then how are uh, leads being passed and what's the cadence for those meetings? What kind of metrics are being established to know if the partnership is working? What goals and expectations uh, are there? And then you go to market together and you start serving the clients. What's the closed loop to make sure that those clients are ecstatic and that the partner feels that you're leaning in enough and doing the work uh, that was was outlined and, and as well as expected, if not better. And then just, just keeping that flow going, building more momentum together, more enablement together, more clients together, and more services. And I, I'd say, you know, pilot and perfect, try not to go too wide or you'll never get anything off the ground if you try to come up with like pretty large extent of services. We, we have one partner, no names mentioned, because I love the guys there, but boy, are they highly dysfunctional. And it's, it's taken about a year of a lot of back and forth just to get in market together. But we were so committed to it because their platform solves a problem that every marketer on the planet struggles with. So we just made sure that we did not give up and help them get more mature. It's a, it's a really interesting one, Alex, because they were not ready to have partners at all, but had a phenomenal platform. And so we just said, ah, fuck it. Like we, we've got to be, um, help them mature and grow and, and learn how to be a good partner. And it's taken about a year, but uh, you know, the fruits of that labor are paying off, which is, which is cool. The SOP for onboarding new partners, as you become more mature as an agency like demand gen, you start to have to have those processes in place because there's so much opportunity with new partners. You mm -hmm. have the ability to co-sell with these partners because you're proven. If you're a partner manager listening to this and you're trying to sell into an agency like DemandGen, um, that is something you'll probably have to be ready with is how are you going to open us up to your other users that are not agencies? How are we going to co-market and co-sell into those accounts together? And then when we have a new account that we're onboarding and we want to link them up and get them integrated, you know, what additional levels of support are you going to offer? Get all those checked off, get all those on paper, get all those um, known from everybody involved. And then when you have that new partner, the go-to-market strategy, making sure that your clients as well as the team knows 
as well as the audience out there knows about the new partnership. That depends on what it is and what the tool is and what the effect is. But making sure those services that you are going to build, especially with the outreach versus sales loft, I imagine there are some really instrumental services that you're planning on building on top of those tools. So making sure that your clients are, are aware of those new services. And, um, you know, get, get ready to be jealous and don't sign any exclusives, right? You know, it, it does not make sense for you to have an exclusive partnership if you're on the servicing side with one MarTech or sales tech or whatever SaaS technology you have. Why, why limit your business that way? Um, focus on the client. If the client needs you, like if we had done an exclusive back in the day with, with Eloqua and a lot of our clients were moving on to Marketo, either at the company they were at or people left and went to another company and want to still work with us and said, I'm sorry, we can't, we've got an exclusive. Then we're not doing right by the customer. And I always believe the customer's needs comes first. Same time, you're not going to be their only services partner. So get ready to be jealous when you see go to market motions uh, and know that you're not the only one probably talking to them, especially if they're committed to partnerships. So that's just the way it is. And you got to be the best freaking partner uh, there is. And we've always made that commitment. I, I literally, when Steve Lucas became CEO, of Marketo after Phil Fernandez and I met with Steve for the first time. I said, Steve, we've never met before. You don't know me, don't know anything about me or my agency, but I'll tell you one thing to remember in the few short minutes we have together, we will be your best partner. Full stop. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to talk to you about. We'll spend some more time together another time. I met him at a conference. Uh, sure enough, was, you know, to the point where not only that year, but, but in the years to come. Uh, that way. And, you know, if you're going to make a promise like that, especially if you're the CEO of your agency, better live up to that. You know what? You're not the only one who's saying that to that person. So uh, there, there's, a, there's a fight for who's the, the favorite nation, right? So the, the smallest commodity we have is, is time. So if you waste a lot of time during the week trying to partner with too many people and are really inefficient, you're, you're taken away from your business. So be smart about it. I, I love that. Now I'll end with this uh, one quick anecdote about the opposite side and the side that you were on the position that you were in, sorry, when you first approached Eloqua is that situation where you are a very tech savvy agency founder and you may not be a strong referral partner right out of the gate. You may not be a strong referral partner for the first year, but because you're willing to go that extra mile with the product and really delve in and involve yourself and be committed to that product, the, the product insight and what you can do for the founders and the product team, um, that is unbelievably valuable. So if you're a channel manager listening to this, you kind of have to look at it like that as well. You do have revenue metrics that you need to be accounted for and you do have those goals. But at the same time, you know, don't just brush off the smaller partners that are willing to really, you know, go the extra mile with your product and showcase your product in a way that the other larger agencies that may just be using your CRM, if you're HubSpot, not the marketing automation side, or just marketing automation, not the CRM, they may not be in a position to, to showcase your product as well yeah. as those smaller tech savvy individuals are. And what they can do is get involved in the forums and they can influence the bigger agencies that look at them and say, I, I'm gonna listen to him because he's the one getting involved in the integrations and all of the uh, in-depth work with this tool that I'm using. Don't discount them. That's sound um, advice. All right, sir. Well, you've been gracious with your time, David. And um, I'm going to link to everything that we mentioned in this podcast. And I'm going to hopefully see you in person at the B2B Engage. So if anyone listening, I'm going to publish this as soon as possible. Check out B2B Engage and uh, see if you can meet us in Arizona. 
And um, anything left, any call to action, anything else? No, I mean, I, I hope people got value from this. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to make sure Alex, you and Anita uh, follow this up and, and she can take this conversation even deeper because I think her vetting process and expertise is, is super sound. I'm really proud of her. And she crushed her number last year. And she's, just, she's a real deal. She knows what she's doing. And she's, she's been instrumental to our growth and our partner's growth. Yeah, I think we're in the calendar. So I'm looking cool. forward to that discussion. All right. Well, hey, thanks for having me on the program. Was, uh, en- enjoy the chat. Thank you very much, David. Take care. All right, brother. Take care. Bye.